The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am your host, James Anderson. We are brought to you by WinBet and... I'm very fortunate to be joined this week by Paul Sporer of Fangraphs, who uh, I've known for for many years and is one of the the best people I could have on for this episode, where we will be talking about pitching prospects for 2022 only. So just like last week when we talked about hitting prospects, this is not a episode tailored for dynasty leagues this is for redraft and draft and hold but of course if you have these guys in dynasty leagues um it it should be of some use to you as well paul how are you doing i'm doing very well james it's great to talk with you man i missed you at first pitch this year uh so glad we're able to link up yeah yeah that that was a bummer for sure um but uh i'll i'll be making my triumphant return next year Uh, as will many i believe (laughs) um you know obviously we'll see it where everything is uh in a year but if it goes toward a positive trajectory i think we'll see a lot more people back it was still great but uh there were definitely familiar faces missing and and you were multiple uh, multiple times mentioned of ah, where's james so you will be uh you'll be warmly regarded next year when you make your triumphant return <laughs> all right all right uh that sounds sounds like a plan for sure um is there even going to be room for me in in Paul Stars? Have I have I been? Has my spot you, you, been? You're taken a legacy over? player, though. You're a legacy player. You know, we actually got to continue it this weekend because I went back to the Arizona Fall League on a Fangraphs trip and uh, played it with my colleagues. So we 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 still we still kept the tradition going. I was concerned because first pitch Arizona was nowhere near the Fall Stars game, so we couldn't play it. But then we had this trip schedule with uh, the Fangraphs crew. And Paul Stars lives on, and I did not win, even though I had Bryson Stott. Oh man! Well, I'm glad that it uh, the tradition was was kept alive. Yeah, I mean that the no Fall Stars game being part of first pitch, uh, not ideal, but uh, hopefully that can be rectified next season. But um, I, I want to how late they had it. Sorry, sorry to derail. We don't need to keep talking about uh, uh, first pitch. But yeah, I think it was because of how late the Fall Stars game was. Right, right. Um, and I'm going to be having. Uh, Chris Welsh on next week to kind of recap the whole Arizona fall league. Uh, But this, this episode uh, I think, you know, I had thought about maybe talking about some of the, the pitching prospects or former pitching prospects who are no longer prospect eligible, who still have a lot to prove, but early ADP suggests that uh, I mean, those guys are already getting extremely, 
pumped up, even though, you know, guys like Tanner Houck and, you know, Logan Gilbert, who have not like really established themselves as uh, reliable um, fantasy starters. I mean, they're, they're still really getting pushed up in these early drafts. Um, so we're going to just focus only on the guys who are still prospect eligible. And the sort of first group of guys is, is a tier of three for me. And uh, these guys, I think, have uh, universal appeal. Like I think in, in any mixed league, all three should be drafted. Uh, that's not to say that you should draft all three at their ADP, but Shane Boz with the Rays, Aaron Ashby with the Brewers, and Joe Ryan with the Twins. You know, I think those three uh, showed enough in the majors last year um, that I think you can you can draft all three in mm-hmm. mixed leagues. Uh, is that is that your read on the situation as well? Absolutely, uh, and I quite like all three. I, I I don't know that I'd be willing to roster all three on on one team. But I think uh, as you spread it out, it's definitely going to be a trio that I'm going to be interested in. Uh, Joe Ryan's really been jumping out to me as somebody that I I think I'm going to be a a decent bit higher than the market on him. And I think one of the things I really like about him is a guy like this comes up and he's probably as good as he is, you know, like right now. I don't know that there's like a ton of development, but he's going to be 26. And I think he's like, I think he's ready for prime time. I think he's ready to be one of these guys that we see that, uh, you know, despite only throwing 91, the deception of the fastball and the way he works with it uh, has been a big swing and miss pitch. So he's got a lot of strikeouts, has control, needs to bring in the home runs a little bit. But I think he can be, I think he'd be like a mid threes, uh, great whip type of guy with a good strikeout rate immediately this year because he's already 26. Yeah, I mean, his fastball, like you, like you alluded to, uh, does not have the velocity we're typically looking for, but it has every other characteristic that you could want in a fastball and that, mm-hmm. that's definitely his bread and butter pitch and i really love the the team context for him Me too. Um, i i typically like going after twins pitchers uh you know at full strength they usually have a, a pretty solid defense and then uh pitching in the the al central i think is is just fine for fantasy especially if the dh comes to the nl and then every everyone's kind of on an even playing field then yes. the, the al central becomes even more appealing um now joe ryan's adp i think this is through five or six nfbc drafts he's going just outside the top 200 uh is that like so like you're you're higher than the market on joe ryan yeah, i think um, it took him quite a bit higher than that at the uh at the fall league draft. Ooh, that's actually online now. I can I can find out exactly where it was. Um, actually, so it just the NFPC, it looks like it just got updated since I was looking at it about an hour ago. He's going just inside the top 200 on average. But um, you know, guys, there like there's just such a a hodgepodge of pitchers kind of going in this 100 to 200 range guys that are mm-hmm. working their way back from like Tommy John, you know, like uh, Luis Severino, Mike Clevenger, those types of guys um guys who are sort of unproven but have shown flashes and joe ryan kind of um fits into that mold but i i don't think he's very risky if you can get him just inside the top 200 um you know he like he's not losing a rotation spot at all um so exactly you're getting the innings for sure it's just a matter of how good those innings are going to be i took him 163 um which would not be the high 151 is the high um you know, this is working with a pretty 
pretty slapped together ranking sheet that I that I was making there, um, which I'm not making any excuse. I stand by the pick, but it, it was definitely something where I was like kind of making sure that I pushed my guys up a bit and ended up with them. And Ryan's definitely somebody that I I, I almost certainly could have gotten in the 12th because I only picked five picks later, uh, but maybe even in the 13th. But I really like him and I felt comfortable with him there. I had just lost out on Snell, who I did have higher. Uh, so I said, okay, I'll take Joe Ryan here. The guys that went right after him were Carlos Carrasco, Sean Manaya, Sonny Gray, Tanner Houck. Uh, an interesting mix. Those veterans are, they have, you know, they have a proven track record. Houck is kind of an upside guy like Joe Ryan. So I think, I think it's the okay range there. That, that's the front end of the range, 160s. But uh, I'm okay with that. And if I get any cheaper, then I'm definitely in. Yeah, my general philosophy with pitching, especially in those middle rounds, is to not get cute with it with ADP. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like if if you love a guy, um, you know, say it was like Sandy Alcantara this past year. Yes. Uh, you you just the worst thing you can do is just play it cute, and then a guy that you loved preseason, you only end up with on like twenty percent of your teams because you got too cute with it. And you're completely um, thrown by it too. Like when, when they get taken, you're, you're so set on that being your, your, you know, showcase guy, they get taken from you and then you panic and just take them when you're ready. When you feel good, don't try to get those extra few rounds of value. Like, what does that even mean? Like what, what, what are you really changing in those, in those couple rounds anyway? Uh, the, the bottom line is the talent starts to cluster so much uh, right. in that round range that you should just be taking the guys that you feel the most confident in because you feel the most confident in them. Yeah. And I mean, he could be like, he could be the twins opening day starter. Absolutely. Um, And and, like, he could be kind of like Kenta Maeda, like in terms of a statistical profile, you know, um, where the ERA can trend a little bit higher because of the home runs, doesn't walk anybody and gets a really surprisingly excellent strikeout rate. Um, I think it could be Kenta Maeda right away next year. So I'm taking Joe Ryan and, and I feel like it's a fair price. So Shane Boz is going uh, easily the highest of these three, which is Mm -hmm. not surprising at all. Um, The Rays, the Rays rotation to me is kind of fascinating. Like Ryan Yarbrough is by far the elder statesman in -hmm. that rotation as things stand. And then they've got Shane McClanahan, uh, Shane Boz, Luis Patino, Drew Rasmussen, uh, all who are, you know, just recently lost their prospect eligibility. Um, you know, do we feel pretty confident that Shane Boz has a rotation spot on opening day? Yeah, I feel pretty good about that based on, on what he showed, you know, just all, all, all across this year. And I, I think that, you know, we know how they, they play things with, with their prospects and he's not, uh, he still has rookie eligibility. They could finagle it, but I think with that, where, the, where they're at with their rotation, it makes a lot of sense too. And they have the, be careful of running the risk of playing it too cute too. Now they went 162 this year. They were great, but I, I would say, don't, uh, don't give away a few weeks of Boz here. Uh, if it could cost you anything in the division, because the, their rotation, it was like glued together. Uh, at the end of the year there, but all of a sudden now this next year, it could be high impact. If Patino comes, if uh, McClanahan builds on what he did, if Boz breaks out, boom, all of a sudden they have three studs again after piecing it together with like eight guys last year. So how close do you think McClanahan and Boz are? You mentioned that kind of rough uh, rankings you put together. How how close do you have those two? Because right now 
Shane McClanahan going right around pick 100. Boz going around pick 125. I have a similar split there. McClanahan is the 42nd pitcher, which includes relievers, uh, Will Smith and Jordan Romano right above him to give you an idea of about how many closers there be, probably about 10. So about 32, the top, you know, just outside the top 30 pitchers. And then Boz is 48. Um, and then there's no other relievers. So again, take away about 10. That's probably late 30s, early 40s. That's the exact split that I have. I have McClanahan at 31 and I've got Boz at 40. So relatively close. Um, and I'd be happy to, t- to roster either. I did get McClanahan in that NFBC draft. Uh, a lot of risky pitching after my Bueller pick. I got McClanahan, Syndergaard, and Joe Ryan. So could could really hit or could absolutely blow up in my face. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I do you do you see Boz's ADP um kind of hanging in this range? Do you think like I think it's get... a candidate to rise like right. a, a lot. I think I think the, the two Shanes could be going almost back to back. Yeah, I mean, you know, he goes out that first start of spring training and you know has some uh pitching ninja gifts and stuff like that. It's all the confirmation people would need to be like, okay, I'm in. I'm in. Let's go. I need to get a share of Boz. I need I need to get yep. in on this draft because I missed out on the last one. And then all of a sudden his ADP is like around hundred or maybe even in the the high nineties. Um I think he's absolutely a candidate for that. And I'm not sure that I I disagree with it. I I don't think it's necessarily a problem, but if you really, really like Boz, you should get in some leagues now and, and kind of get your, your, uh, you know, shares of him in your leagues at a better rate because it it only stands to go up. So Aaron Ashby uh, has the uh, lowest ADP of the three. I think he's going um, just inside the top 250. Um, you know, unlike Ryan and Boz, Ashby was used in kind of a, a hybrid role, which mm-hmm. the, the Brewers like to do with their their young pitching um, when they first get to the majors. Uh, my read on everything there is that they are going to tentatively plan on going with a six-man next year with uh, Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, Hauser, Lauer, and Ashby. Um, and then kind of have the freedom to go to a five man if one of those six gets hurt. Yeah. Uh, when, is that when one of those six gets hurt? Right. When, when, of course. Um, is that, is that kind of your read? Because I think that's maybe partly the reason why he is going last of these three. Yeah. Uh, I, I expect him to go behind Boz, of course, but like, I think people are just much more confident in Joe Ryan getting, you know, 25 plus starts next year. Exactly. But I, I, I do think, again, this is another candidate to rise as more people learn about him. I think there's still a, a, uh, a gap of people that have really kind of assessed where he's at and saying that, you know, seeing that this guy can be somebody who can pop next year already, uh, age 24, obviously on a team that we've seen start to really bring pitchers along very nicely. That's an organization that I kind of implicitly trust. So if I believe in the talent of the player with the, the brewers there as well, that's a big mix for me. Uh, so I, I've got him a little bit higher than the market right now. And I do think that he could end up rising, you know, probably a right around Joe Ryan, which right now they're split 206 for Ryan and 242 for Ashby. I think they could be going right by each other. I still prefer Ryan, but I do have Ashby. Uh, let's see in that ranking. I have him 79. He's the 91st pitcher, uh, which actually, no, maybe I'm not that ahead of the market. Thanks. Take out the relievers. Uh, it's probably closer to, 15 or 20 by now there's because there's Gregory Soto being taken. So yeah, we'll say 20 guys at 71. Maybe I'm actually lower uh, on Aaron Ashby. I wonder, 
I wonder if that's the case because 71, I don't think it's too high, but but maybe I'm too low on Ashby. Somebody I proclaim to like, and now I see the market says, nah, you don't like him that much. Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, he is, uh, he has an extremely high ceiling if he, it, like, because last year was the first time where he he really showed starter level command. Mm -hmm. And I think if, if he brings that same command this year, um, you know, when he's locating his fastball, I mean, from the left side, mid nineties, um, and then he has the, the two off-speed pitches that are both, that both average over 80 miles an hour. Uh, and and they just kind of play perfectly off each other to righties and lefties. And if he's throwing strikes, I mean, he is he's borderline unhittable. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, I, I think if he if the fastball command is, is kind of where it was last season um, for at least his, his best um, his best appearances, I think his 2022 could be pretty similar to Freddie Peralta's 2021 uh, both from an innings and productivity standpoint. Uh, and I think he's the guy where I'm going to be kind of, you know, I, I'm probably not going to take him like right where my like personal rankings say I have to take him. Um, but I'm probably going to jump him over ADP just slightly because I think he's got kind of the biggest range of these three where, you know, if he went at pick like 175, I wouldn't be surprised. If he went at pick 275, I wouldn't be surprised. Exactly. And that's that's about what the range is right now, One, 168 to 281 uh, with the high and low in these five drafts. He went 280 in ours. And I definitely think that if that, that same room redrafted, he would already go up amongst uh, our group. And so I'm really excited about Ashby. Uh, like I said, I, I definitely thought I was, and now I'm uh, assessing my ranking of him saying, you know what, if you, if you really do like him, you got to see if you like him above some of these other guys here. I've already seen fit to ri rise him a few spots here, like five spots, but I'm going to, I'm going to take a further deep dive on a cluster of guys here. Some injury speculations like Descofani, Carlos Carrasco. I know Descofani had a great season, but he even still got hurt in that. Uh, Carlos Hernandez, Ranger Suarez, Christian Javier, Luis Patino. I'm going to assess that and see where I'm at with Ash because, like I said, on the surface, I really like him. But then when I'm looking at my ranking against the market, it was saying I was I was at best along with them uh, and maybe even a little behind. You know, you mentioned Ranger Suarez. Uh, just a quick mini tangent. Uh, the market is fully buying in on Ranger Suarez. He's going inside the top 150 so far. Oh, uh, Wow. So, like, I that just really stood out to me. I like, I, the, I looked at the ADP for the first time uh, this morning. Um, 97 and, minimum. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. So, well, yeah. <laughs> the Ranger Suarez love is very real. I, I think it's, it's, it's one of these situations where, you know, even the people that you would say they study the numbers, they, they, they're not common they're, they're not casual, is what I mean. Um, they're looking at next level numbers. They could, yeah, you could be fooled by this because they're kind of infallible numbers. Like you look at them right. and like, this yeah. is so believable. He's 25. What's not to like. So then you have to investigate a little further. I know Nick Pollock has talked about uh, his schedule was very easy. Um, and maybe that played, that, that definitely played a role. Obviously. I don't think it's all that though. I do think there is something here, but I was expecting the market to be a little bit, soft on him uh thinking that they didn't want to jump too quickly on something and that i would swoop in and and kind of picked up pick up those shares but at that price 
no freaking chance. I would wager that 80% of the people who are drafting Suarez uh, had him last year. Yes. <laughs> yes, because he was so dynamic. I mean, he went from being a run-of-the-mill middle reliever to their closer, picked up four saves for you, which is the reason most people picked him up, um, then lost the job. I wonder how many people cut him right after that. I got lucky. I just kind of – he was on the chopping block that weekend, and I just said, oh, I can wait on him and cut somebody else. But I was I was ready to make that mistake there. And then goes out to being their best starter by the end of the year. And one thing that I do like, though, too, is that he went deep. I mean, he, he he doesn't need to be a reliever. They they showed at least one thing that they're clearly wasting him uh, in relief in one inning stints. And I know he had some extra, you know, over one inning, but he needs to be, I think, at least a three to five inning kind of guy. And I mean, where, where do you put a projection on Ranger Suarez? I feel like he can be a high threes uh, with a good whip kind of guy and a decent strikeout rate, but I, I don't want to pay full price for it. Geez, because that's the high end. Yeah, I mean, so he's he's kind of a conundrum. Um, he has very, very, very little uh, prospect pedigree uh, mm -hmm. re relative to like almost any pitcher who's going inside the top two hundred. But as you said, it's it's tough to to pick pick apart what he did last season. I mean, it it's uh, the the numbers are pretty infallible as a starter. I mean, gets the ground balls, uh, lefty. I mean, there, there's a lot to like, I mean, I, I like pitching in that division too. Um, yeah. let's get back to the prospects though. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I just Ranger thought Ranger Suarez, Suarez, Ranger yeah, Suarez is, I did not realize that to me. Um, but that, that's, that's something. So this, this sort of next group to me are guys who I think everyone should try to pay attention to during spring training. Um, Definitely. like pitching, pitchers especially like pitching prospects who are near the majors they are the most interesting types of players to follow during spring training for me uh because guys can legitimately like when a pitcher shows something in a start right like it's it's real right like if you go yeah, out there and it's you're changing shoving, right. their, their story right there like and if they're dominate like sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but yeah if they're dominating that's giving them instant credit for it right because they're fighting for a job yeah and you you can't say that like a pitcher's stuff like we need to wait for the sample to get big right you yeah know, exactly the, the, the stuff is the stuff mm -hmm. um and like that's you know that's kind of how alec manoa um emerged last season is he was so dominant in spring training uh that it was kind of like okay um you know something's happening here um he's he's closer to being ready than, than we may have thought before spring training. Uh, so I, I put about, you know, 10, 12 guys in this, this group um, to watch during spring training. Uh, who sort of stands out to you the most here um, as someone where you're just really excited to see uh, how they look in spring training for one reason or another. Uh, this is a great list uh, to follow these. There's going to be some game changers in here for sure. I'm going to go with the guy right off the top though. Reed Detmers is somebody that uh, I'm expressing some interest in for sure. I know we didn't see a ton in the 20 and a th 20 and two thirds innings there, uh, but I encourage you to go watch the starts. If you didn't at least try to catch some of the condensed games, some highlights, whatever, because you see the raw stuff, which is what you're talking about is what moves the needle in spring training is when guys flash the what what they can be even if it's for an inning even if it's for a batter you know really a really difficult at bat you take little pieces and you start to see okay this is how it can go right 
and I did see those flashes with Reed Detmers. I think the opportunity is wide open for him uh, to, to be somebody that can be an impact guy for them. They still need pitching. Getting Thor does not solve their pitching issues by any stretch of the imagination. But I, I think, you know, my I, I'm doing these roster reviews over at, at, at Rotographs, and I'm doing like a hot take for all of them, uh, for each team, and my one for the angels was that Reed Detmers is an all formats option by the summer. And maybe it's not hot enough to say the summer. Cause I built myself a little buffer there, but I do believe he's somebody that will make an impact in 2022. Yeah. I, I absolutely love watching him pitch. Uh, even back to, you know, when he was at college in college, uh, just pitchability completely off the charts for a, a pitcher, his age really knows how to set guys up. Um, you know, really kind of expanded his arsenal last season and, and started throwing four pitches. Uh, yeah, I, I think in spring training, if Detmers is off to a, a pretty strong start, I mean, the Angels are obviously in perpetual win-now mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, if, if he's looking like one of their five or six best starters, that probably means that he's got a shot to, to make that rotation. Uh, and he is going uh, outside the top 450 on average, which, Love you know, that. I, you know, it's it's not like a you have to take Detmers um, there because I mean there are some question question marks, but I mean it it has the potential to be a really nice value. Um, you know, to me the t- two guys who kind of stand out um, are Hunter Green with the Reds mm-hmm. and Sixto Sanchez with the Marlins for for different reasons. Uh, the Reds have already kind of said that green and Nick Lodolo are competing for a rotation spot, which you could probably figure out by just looking at their depth chart anyway. Yeah, um, exactly. And but, the fact that they're right. probably not done. They're gray or, or Castillo is probably gone. Right. And, uh, you know, Hunter green, obviously he has the name value. Um, if he starts shoving in spring training, I, I think he's going to, going to shoot up draft boards. Um, and then with Sixto Sanchez, man, I mean, we've we just haven't really seen him in so long due to uh, the shoulder surgery. Just kind of want to see what he looks like, you know. Yeah. And and I'm not even saying that it's a a guarantee that when spring training gets here, he's going to be a full go. It's just you, you never really know with this stuff. Um, but it was only last spring when he was getting drafted um, around where Shane Boz is getting drafted this year. Exactly, and. It- that's the thing with both Sixto and Hunter Green. It's going to be a switch that's flipped. Uh, it won't really be a slow progression up the uh, the ADP. If it, if it <laughs> yeah. looks like it's there, um, they're inside the top 200 the, the next day. The, the, the day that that draft is going on, on whatever, you know, three-inning pitch that – or three-inning spring training start that they have, and everyone's like talking about it on Twitter. It's all buzzy. That's it. The switch is flipped, and now this pick costs two hundred. Uh, you know, it costs a top two hundred pick, and I think that can happen with Green or Sixto once we see it. Especially with Sixto because we saw it at the majors for a bit. But with Green, we know he's super dynamic talent, uh, number two overall pick back in twenty seventeen. People just need to see a little hint, and both those guys will skyrocket. What's your take on Nick Lodolo and Edward Cabrera, teammates of those guys? Uh, Lodolo, obviously, we haven't seen in the majors yet, but he's another guy with a with a chance to make that rotation in spring training. And then Edward Cabrera, um, you know, it was, it was an okay debut yeah. for him, but uh, it's not like he, you know, I think he's going outside the top. Uh, 
I think he's going right around pick 400 so far. So obviously the market is kind of um, waiting to sort of see him prove it at the big league level. You know, this, this is the kind of guy that you buy though, to try to win a league, Edward Cabrera is, and and, and even Lodolo, but but Cabrera to, to more of an extent because we've seen him in the majors and it didn't wow. Everyone's not automatically in, and thus the price is fair to take the risk. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of a prospect like, well, just even the ones that we just talked about, they still carry plenty of risk. If they bust this yeah. year, it's not going to be a, a, a crazy shock. Maybe Joe Ryan, I think if he totally busted, it would be a surprise. But outside of injury, um, they could still struggle. But they they cost that premium, whereas I don't know that their their risk is that much safer than Edward Cabrera's. And the price there is so much cheaper that this is the sort of guy that you get. And if he busts out and he was on five of your teams, he's changing your season. Now, if that's the guy you believe in, it doesn't have to be Edward Cabrera, but I think too often we want to pay for the the obvious uh, shiny new toys because they're the they're shiny new toy and everyone's like, oh, we got to go get this guy because he's the hot ticket. But go on the post-hype guys that have just as much upside for so much cheaper. Yeah, and there's there's another avenue for um... – you know, Sixto Sanchez, I think he, you know, as soon as people see him healthy, he will shoot up draft boards as he, as he said, but Edward Cabrera's ADP could climb if the Marlins make a move, which yes. they've been rumored to do. What I, do you either see? with him or, or yeah, to clear right. a spot for him? Yeah. I mean, so I think the last like rumors I saw were like Pablo Lopez and Eliezer Hernandez were maybe the most likely guys to get moved. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about Pablo Lopez for Buxton? uh man um i mean i've been wanting buxton to get traded for years just Mm because i i just i don't know i think there's just a guy can sometimes just use a change of scenery um yeah even if the team isn't doing anything that poorly in terms of his development it's just like maybe it's just something to kind of again fresh start It, it, it hits every guy differently right it is a narrative that that we use but it also definitely changes guys at times. Um, and I think, I don't know, we, Justin and I were actually talking about that and saying, you know, talking about one of their pitchers, uh, one of their big dog pitchers for Buxton as kind of a, uh, a need for need challenge. Just, just like the gallon uh, Chisholm. Trade, right. right? I think I'd be more excited about that um, from the Marlins standpoint um, because, you know, obviously fair. they do have that pitching depth, Uh you know, like Minnesota, I guess to me, it's just like, you know, where are they going right now? Um, yeah, we, we were talking about them. And <laughs> I was like, I, they can't tear it down, though, because they have too much, uh, you know, late 20s and older right. type guys. And I don't see a tear down. Even if Joe Ryan is like legitimately Kent Maeda, that doesn't fix everything. They still need right. some help there. We talked about them maybe spending some money in the in the starting pitcher market and getting getting a big arm there. Because, uh, I, I, again, I just don't think they can rip it down. They're not that far from being like an, at least an 85-win team, which you spike a little good luck and, and they could win the division. Yeah, I mean, the problem is uh, they've been a – 90 win team whenever Buxton's been on the field. True. <laughs> and, and he's, they, he's so helpful. 
and then they are um, quite quite bad when he's not on the field. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's so can you afford to trade him? And that's that's also one of those where Buxton's just so talented and has such a high ceiling as an everyday uh, or just from a real life standpoint. I mean, mm-hmm. fantasy obviously does too, but like it's one of those where you make that trade if you're the Twins front office and Buxton could finish top five in NL MVP the very next you, you season. You sweat it. You sweat yeah. it so hard. And, you know, Lopez is is a badass arm, and I think he's really good. But the impact that Buxton can have at the peak. And, and do you want to be known as the guy that traded Buxton? I hear right. you. The guy that yeah. the guy that freed Buxton and allowed him to to go on to to finally make a ten war season. Yeah. Um, well, we're going to take a quick break uh, and hear a message from our sponsors. But when we come back, we're going to talk about some more pitchers you should follow during spring training. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions and even more so making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcasts. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, Moneyline bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more are at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. 
WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. All right, Paul. So we we touched on Detmers, Green, Lodolo, Sanchez, and Edward Cabrera. Uh, the other four that I have in this tier are Luis Heal with the Yankees, Rancy Contreras with the Pirates, Cody Morris with Cleveland, and Cole Wynn with the Rangers. Uh, we saw Heal and Contreras make their big league debuts last year. Um, both. I mean, looked quite good at their best. Uh, mm-hmm. Contreras just made the one the one appearance, I believe. Um, did you see anything with with either of them that that uh, piqued your interest? Yeah, I, I tabbed Contreras in my uh, in my Pittsburgh Pirates roster. I mean, not to plug out on my articles every time we talk about somebody, but uh, you know, as an off the radar guy to you know pay attention to and and know who he is and be ready to maybe take a Pirates starting pitcher for the first time in a while. I guess since Tyone, you know, they always seem to have one, but um, this guy was really impressive. Came over in the Jamison Tyone deal, and it wasn't a ton of work to go off of. But when you when you saw him out there for those three innings, it 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 fits the mold pretty quickly, right? And again, ton of risk at age twenty two, but could be a high strikeout guy. Uh, and I love the control that he's shown all the way up. Mixing those two things, usually you come in with a blazing high strikeout rate. It comes with a lot of walks. Not seeing that with Contreras here, especially at a young age with that sort of command. I do think there'll be probably a little bit of a home run issue because it, it's, you know, it's it's more control than command. But um, I still think there's a lot to like with Contreras. Yeah, and uh, you know, guys that throw strikes at the the clip that he does and throw as hard as he does, uh, you know, that's just it's a really nice place to start. Uh, the Pirates, you know, we've mentioned this on I've mentioned this on a couple offseason podcasts so far. Uh, I know that they get a or they have a bad rap as a pitching development org, um, but I I do want to remind people that this is a a different regime, mm-hmm. and it you know they they haven't really um, messed us taking over because exactly. they haven't really had anyone of note um, to mess up. But uh, I, you know I think you got to be encouraged with what Contreras showed in the minors last season, and. You know he, he's on the forty man. There's not going to be much competition. Uh, you know NL Central. Uh, you know great division to to be pitching in. Um, you're great not going to get not going to get many wins on that team probably. No. But uh, he's going around pick five hundred in these draft and holds, which I like. I like that quite a bit because I think yeah. uh, I think you're get you're getting. Let me. I'll, I'll say like over. 16 starts i would say from Contreras. i think so and you know it's the added bonus of uh being pittsburgh that people don't care so he's just kind of out there people don't uh, what pittsburgh starter prospect get out of here but there could be some nice upside here i I think we'll have some some runs of of usefulness where you're having him in your lineup kind of blindly and then you might pull him might be a kind of in and out type of guy but Contreras is somebody that should contribute in 2022 and my favorite sort of sleeper in this tier is Cody Morris. Me too. Uh, I'm such Cleveland. a sucker for Cleveland guys, man. I know I'm in the bag for him, but they got another one coming. You can go ahead and say what you're going to say about Cody. Well, I look, I mean, him. before talking about, I, you know, he's got good stuff. I know he's not a guy who maybe is a, is a household name in terms of how long he's been around as a prospect, but uh, 
you know, he mid nineties fastball. Um, and so it's a plus fastball. The, the changeup is, is another plus pitch. He also throws a, a cutter and a, a breaking ball, um, put up, you know, video game numbers really in the upper levels of the minors last year. Yeah. And obviously there, there's a, just a gigantic gap these days between, um, triple a and the big leagues. But, you know, I, I love the, the fact that you can get him around pick 700 in draft and holds right now. Uh, but the, the big problem, um, just in terms of, you know, you're probably not drafting this guy in a, in a regular seven man bench type of league is Cleveland's got six guys who yeah. you would just kind of assume are, I mean, they're, they're, they basically earned the right to be in a big league rotation. Uh, Bieber, Savali, Plesak, Quantrill, McKenzie, and Eli Morgan. Um, do you think he needs an injury? I mean, he, he will probably get an injury if, if that's what he needs. Do you see any of those six um, being trade bait or being uh, moved to like a long relief role? I think they're ripe for, for a trade. But uh, kind of all of the above, if, I, if I'm going to be honest to, to yeah. all three of your questions, I do believe he needs an injury. Uh, I do believe that the ones that aren't pitching in the rotation will be in the bullpen for them, contributing quality innings uh, instead of pitching in the minors, even though it'll, it, they won't be on schedule to necessarily jump in the rotation immediately. I think we'll see like a lot of two to four inning outings from those guys uh as well to kind of keep them at least somewhat stretched out so that they can work kind of a a six seven man rotation and then uh, the last one trade yes and it could include him or it could clear space for him but i do think that they're set up for a trade they i mean they still need outfield right uh always <laughs> perpetually <laughs> exactly so it's harold ramirez who i actually do like a bit uh miles straw and bradley zimmer and you can fathom a world where that does work, but it's not a high probability world. Um, but Straw Zimmer, nice defense out there. Health has been a big issue for Zimmer. Uh, you know, swings and misses way too much. Still think outfield's a big need for them. And honestly, almost anywhere except for second, short, and third, because I don't, I think they're committed to Jimenez and Rosario as they should be for at least another year. And then, mm -hmm. of course, Ramirez is at third. So I think anywhere else they can use an upgrade and they have the pitching to go out and get it. So they absolutely should make a trade. Um, you, we know you can never have too much pitching. That's the, the cliche. And, and it's so true, but they can still trade some to better the team because they were 80 and 82. So they can, you know, they, they can paint a story of like, Hey, we're not that far off. They need to improve this offense though. They're kind of the Marlins of the American league. Mm -hmm. and, and I think you're going to see, Great call. you know, any, any teams that are talking to the Marlins about trading, hitting for pitching are also probably going to talk to Cleveland about the same 100%. thing. So, I mean, you know, that could end up turning into maybe a bit of a bidding war. Um, but yeah, I, <laughs> they're always looking to, to be as cheap as possible. Uh, so that, that could, that could entail trading one of their guys who's been around for a few years. Uh, but I mean, beyond even Cody Morris, uh, like I like Logan T. Allen, um, the the good Logan Allen who yes. is at Double A. Uh, I like Peyton Battenfield. I like Connor Pilkington, uh, who they both got at the the trade deadline last year. And that's not even to mention uh, Daniel Spino, who is is probably their best pitching prospect just based on stuff. Exactly. So you know they they do have uh, a bit of a logjam uh, building up in terms of uh, pitching. And it's a great so, problem to have. 
you get right, to go right. shop basically and, and kind of figure out what you want to buy and really strengthen that offense. And, and then again, you don't have to squint too hard to see them contending. I know the off, one offensive piece isn't going to change the entire dynamic of how the lineup looks, but uh, you saw what Ramirez Reyes and, and the scrubs could do. They got them to almost right. 500 with a ton of pitching injuries. They get some pitching health. They get an impact bat to be a better one-two punch with Ramirez. And then Reyes can be the third guy. Rosario and Jimenez take a, a half step forward, if not a full step. And all of a sudden they're, they're fighting for the playoffs. And we're like, ah, oh, the Indians are back already. Or the Guardians are back, I should say. Yeah, I got to get used to calling them the Guardians. Um, I, I think it is official now. They they apparently settled with the roller derby team. So I, I think it is. Uh, I, I don't know how they didn't check to see if it was patented. Uh, that seems like the literal number one thing that you would do. I'm sure there's some complications that uh, if I read an article about it, it would make sense. But I just want to be the headline guy and laugh at the fact that they didn't uh, check that before everything happened. I'm admitting that I might be wrong on this one. And uh, I still just want to make fun of them for doing that. It's like the uh, baseball version of when uh, Lady Annabellum went to Lady A without checking if any uh, musical artists were named Lady A. Uh, but that's yep. a different different story. Um, so th this next group uh, is a group of four, and they are big names, to say the least. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez, Cade Cavalli, Max Meyer, and George Kirby. I don't believe any of the four will... Um, be given a, a real fair chance to break camp in their rotations. Maybe, yeah. maybe Cade Cavalli, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of getting a sort of super two type of vibe on these four where, you know, maybe June uh, we could start to see them. Is that, is, is that your read? I think that makes sense. Um, Meyer's the one like, you know, you, you call in Cleveland, the, uh, the Miami of the American league. And I like I like Miami as well. And again, they trade some pitching for an impact bat. And again, I start to see how they can be in the mix right away. And then maybe that would facilitate an earlier call for somebody like Max Meyer, especially if he goes to AAA and just gets right back up. Whereas ten innings when it's ten innings, but they were comically excellent. Forty-five percent strikeout rate, point ninety ERA, point eighty WHIP. He just blew through two teams there to cap off a high quality season. I really really like Max Meyer, and. Uh, he he could beat that the quickest, I think. Uh, I know Washington also can't really just completely tear down, so they might be seeing themselves as close, uh, closer and want to have Cavalli up for closer to five-plus months and call him before that. But I think Kirby and Rodriguez are more likely to uh, be around that Super 2 mark. Even though the, Mar the Mariners are moving forward, I just don't think they'll need Kirby unless a lot of injuries hit them. Right, yeah, I mean, the... The reason I mentioned Cavalli as maybe the first to debut is just looking at Washington's depth chart, and it's you know after Josiah Gray at at SP three. Uh, I mean, you don't it's really tough have, scene. You don't really you don't really have anything there. So, and I I don't I don't really expect the Nationals to go out and spend uh, big this, this yeah, season. Just they yet. could get like a Stephen Matz type. I think Man, that's like yeah, what sure. they'll what they'll do to plug it. Like that's nothing. I mean, you know, nothing major. Sorry, Stephen Matz. I know you listen to the show. That's nothing massive. That that's a, that would be that would be helpful. But uh, yeah, and so you're right with Cavalli. Um, you know, going to be 23. Not that that's old or anything, but he's probably ready. 25 innings at AAA could probably use a little bit more seasoning there. So put him there for two three weeks, and then they then he could be up. 
So let's just say, you know, perfect world, all four of these guys stay healthy, uh, which which they won't. I mean, I I would if I could bet money right now, I would bet that one of these four is is not healthy by the time we get to June. But uh, let's just say they're they're all healthy, they're all pitching well, um, and they're getting the call. Like, can we expect sort of Alec Manoa type fab prices on on these guys when they do get that call? Yeah, especially if if they're kind of picking up uh, where their 2021s left off in the minors and they're really shoving down there and and coming up with a pedigree, uh, a track record that's starting to really have impact at the high high minors, people are going to see them as as potential game changers as they should. And and Meyer is, is again the standout for me, but it's a good group. Rodriguez is really interesting. Of course, the tough part is always going to Baltimore uh, and not because of their development, because they also have a new regime too. So they can't wear the sins of the Arietta. And um, I think there's a couple other guys, but Arietta is obviously the big one that everyone, Oh, Bundy spiked, but then came back. So maybe they don't even get hit for that at all. But anyway, you still have to pitch in that park in the summer. Yeah. And that's always the tough part. That's what I was, I was going to mention that. Um, like it's to me it's fair like the I, I don't rank prospects for for real life and like it, you just can't argue with the fact that a, a pitcher for the orioles is probably the second worst situation behind a pitcher for the rockies it's just yep. you know you got the park but you also have those four offenses in your division <laughs> yeah and, just coming through all the time and then going to their parks most of which are hitter friendly as well Right. And so, you know, it's just, it becomes one of those things where like, you know, Grayson Rodriguez, you know, say he has uh, had like, you know, a couple rough outings in his last like four starts. And then this week it's, you know, in Yankee stadium or, or, you know, even just like home for the blue Jays or something like that. Like you kind of have to have some stones to just be like, I'm, I'm leaving them in there. Exactly. And, then, and that was the battle test that we had with Manoa too. It was like, Oh, do, do we, do we play it safe with him? Are we sitting him against, you know, difficult teams? And no, you weren't, you're were just playing him. And he had some bumps as anybody would, but you just played Manoa from, from jump street. And it was amazing. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I loved Manoa. Uh, I think I, I you know I, I can't imagine liking any of these four quite as much as I loved Manoa before last season. But you know that could change in spring training too, I guess. But um, yeah, yeah, those are four guys where the name value is is off the charts. But I would I just wouldn't recommend like even if it's just your last pick. I think there's better ways of using your last pick in a league with seven man benches. Uh, just because I, I, you know, a lot can happen between now and when these guys are theoretically getting that call, they could get hurt. Um, they might not get the call till June or July. I mean, it's just not something I want to use a bench spot on. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I've got this just massive group of just kind of depth options. Well, can um, I say one other thing real quick? I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Um, another reason to maybe not draft those guys and then just cut them a couple weeks later. So then you make it easier for somebody to scoop. This is an NFBC centric yes. thing. So, yes. so this is just for this, but uh, I'm going to say, because I, I imagine a, a decent portion of your, of your audience list plays a lot of NFBC. If you draft them just for the 5% lottery ticket, but then you cut them a couple weeks later, cause they're not coming up. You then give people the option to go get them before they debut for free, basically, you know, for like eight bucks. 
Whereas if you don't and nobody drafts them, and obviously somebody else could ruin it too, but you don't contribute to it by taking that 2% chance because then when they come up in fab, you, they will have to go, uh, they, they will have to be open to everybody. And then you create that big bidding war. Unless you want to be the person that tries to scoop them back at five dollars down the line, buy back your own guy. So that could be another way to be a strategy where you purposely draft them to cut them and do that strategy if you want. But I think you can play it both ways, where you you want to be careful putting guys like that into the pool, or maybe you're the one that's trying to scout them all out and and go attack those guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like you know I want to use a, a final pick on maybe a guy who could end up with like a closer's job who then is just yeah. like a super easy cut um, when they don't get that job. And exactly. There's no bidding war or whatever. Um, e- either that uh, I love that. Cause then you easy cut or a guy that can help in April, which you'll start yeah. to crystallize. Oh, yeah. I, obviously you can't really figure that out right now. I know, but when you start to get your February and March drafts, those last couple of picks can be a short term purposeful guy. They have an easy schedule for the first month. I will use this guy for a month, and if he's good, maybe I'll keep him. If not, he's gone. Uh, or even two weeks. He can plan that short term as well. Anyway, not to derail that. Um, so, yeah, Rodriguez with the park is why I, I'm nervous of him. Kirby is very interesting, though. Like I said, they were gonna they should come into the season not necessarily needing to kind of push because he hasn't hit AAA yet. Um, but they showed a lot this year. And I know their one run record was was abnormal and it will not repeat. Uh, that's usually a, f- a coin flip type of thing. And they played well above. But I still think they're a team that's like ready to 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 be serious. The offense is coming along. We saw Gilbert take a step. How quickly do you think Kirby could come up, uh, given that he only has uh, 26 innings at double A? But he is going to be 24 as well. So you balance the age with the experience. Yeah, I mean, he just doesn't have much to work on. Um, you know, he, obviously everyone knows about the command with him. Uh, yeah, that's his calling card. And the fastballs ticked up. Um, the one, you know, I, I used to be the highest person probably on Kirby. Uh, I'm a little, I'm, a, I'm just a tiny bit worried about the durability issues last year. Uh, I think there were some stops and starts where he had just some, some random soreness and stuff like that. And for a guy who added velocity, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little iffy on, you know, how many innings he throws this year, mm-hmm. but I think when he does pitch, I think it's going to be very effective and, you know, long-term he, he, I think he profiles as you know probably their best starter, uh, if it all works out. So, uh, and especially, you know, they've been rumored to be in on some some big ticket free agents. Like if, yeah. if we see them spend some money, then, yeah, uh, you know, I think he, he probably is tracking towards maybe like a May debut uh, just because they would be kind of looking to, to make some noise this year. You know, and that command is something that uh, you can survive off of while oh, you yeah. kind of figure it out. And it's not necessarily excellent for fantasy if he's just, quote unquote, surviving and kind of carrying a, uh, you know, even a high fours ERA is surviving for a rook like that. There's nothing wrong with that. Teams would be thrilled if you're, if you're going out there and essentially being a baseline quality start guy every time out. Um, but it, it can help him kind of figure his, his stuff out there at the major league level with Kirby, because that command is off the charts. He will be 24. So maybe he's up pretty quickly too, especially because Seattle does seem poised to try to run it back here and, and see how for real they were with off a 90 win season. 
Yeah, and 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 part of the reason why I think that the Fab price would be uh, pretty outrageous with him is that there is that massive gap between AAA and the majors. So I think you know he heads to AAA. People are going to look at the the command and just the dominance if if he's healthy at AAA, and that that price is going to be pretty big. Yep. Um. All right. So uh, this this kind of next mix. Uh, does anyone kind of jump out to you as either a a guy that you're going to keep an eye on for regular redraft leagues, or maybe a guy that you might um, be targeting towards the end of a, a draft and hold draft? Um, through a bunch you know, of names in here. Yeah, uh, it's a lot of uh, uh, it's, it. Kind of looks like team by team here. A couple guys that are that are standing out. I'm looking at uh, Cal Muller and Tucker, Tucker Davidson. The uh, the Braves starting to, you know, put some good pitching. I'm not starting to. They they're always putting good pitching out. Is what I meant to say. Is that they're always kind of churning their their next uh, their next quality arms. We saw Anderson and Anoa take a jump this year. They looked really nice. Uh, Freed obviously coming into his own. I think he's a legitimate ace. And so I think Davidson or Muller could be pretty nice there next year. I think between the two. Davidson, uh, oh yeah, that's right. He did return in the playoffs. You did put that note in there. And that that's kind of huge. I love when an injured guy, like somebody that we saw some things from, but then he got hurt, but he finishes on the field, even if it's like two innings. I, I you know, the even the the Thor two inning appearance, he was healthy enough to go out there. That's encouraging for me. I like that Davidson did come back for the playoffs, even though it was just two innings. So yeah, I'm gonna keep an eye on him. I do think he's somebody I would consider drafting, depending on how their offseason goes. Yeah, now that was uh that was definitely sort of a, a break cl- break glass in case of emergency return yeah. for him because they just had nobody to, absolutely to, to take the ball there and then he he did kind of get shelled so um but it, it you're right it was I mean, not like great. I, I'd rather him come back than not come back but um you know I have kind of I've made I've joked about this before on the show I've I've been wrong about pretty much every atlanta pitching prospect <laughs> over the years like i was i was a big bryce wilson fan uh, i liked him too i liked kyle wright a little bit i was lower on ian anderson until it was obvious that i was wrong uh, <laughs> i didn't even have who oscar Noah ranked um when he debuted so the fact that i'm a little lower on muller and davidson probably means one of those guys <laughs> is gonna, gonna do be awesome <laughs> yeah um so yeah i mean that that's a good call and and you know, I, I would expect them to maybe get another arm uh, via yeah, free agency. At least, again, I'm going to keep leveraging that Steven Matz tier, but that that sort of level of pitcher, yeah. I think at the very least, is what they need, if not a cut above that. Yeah, I mean, I just I don't think you can go into the year with just relying on one of Davidson or Muller being a guy who takes the ball every fifth day. I think uh, you, you want that to be a thing where they sort of earn it. Um, yeah. Are, are we done with Tukey? As a starter, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, are you? I mean, unless you are, no, I, 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 I am. I'm not really seeing it. He's gonna be 26. Uh, he's shown no inkling to even really maximize his swing and miss stuff or cut into his walk rate, and he gives up a ton of homers. A lot of times, those guys that that you know have the the strikeout stuff with a high walk rate, they at least don't give up homers because usually they're too difficult to square up because they're kind of nasty. Well, mm-hmm. he throws in a home run problem. So it's like, what are you really latching on to other than like 
prospect pedigree and some swing and miss stuff. But even the velocity is down now to 93. I just don't see it with Tukey anymore. I just wanted to see if you were even there for like 50-round draft. I think I pretty much pass on him in those in, in that format too at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's just the command. Um, it's just always just been a huge issue with him. And the command's just probably bad enough too where I, I don't even know if he could make it as a closer, probably more of like a setup man at, at best. Um, so two teams that I, I think have some interesting options, but we just can't expect those guys to get much of a look are the Yankees and the Dodgers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I, I like, you know, one of, one of my favorite sleepers on the pitching side of things is, is Hayden Wesneski who uh, has a couple really strong breaking balls, throws like six pitches, uh, finished the year really strong uh, for the Yankees uh, in the upper levels. Uh, But I mean, we, we mentioned Luis Heal earlier. They've also got Clark Schmidt and Davey Garcia, uh, who I, I wouldn't really expect a ton from either of those guys, but they're hanging around. And then you yeah, got to assume they sign, you know, one more guy, I would, I would guess. For sure. Like, and I know there's it, been a lot of JV rumors for them. Uh, maybe they're, they're going to sign one of the top, like five or six guys. I, I am uh, watching JV's ADP um, very, very carefully right now. I, I'm, I'm contributing <laughs> to its uh, move upward. I will, yeah, I will acknowledge yeah. that. Uh, he's going inside the top 200 right now. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I like that, uh, as long as he can kind of stay sort of in that 150 to 200 range, be all over that. Same. Uh, that's, but where then, I t- that's where I took him to, uh, just in a draft I'm in right now. And then with the Dodgers, you know, I think Landon Knack, uh, opened a lot of eyes in the AFL. Um, they've, they've got Andre Jackson, Ryan Pepio, Bobby Miller, but, you know, they already signed Andrew Heaney. I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in one more guy as well. Um, so that's just, that's just kind of one of those super crowded situations. Uh, I, I messaged you privately a, a few months ago because I remember um, we, we were messaging before the season and I was like, dude, I think you might be a little too high on Dre Jameson. And uh then uh, I realized that I was just way too low on Dre Jameson, and you were you were right all along. Um, the Diamondbacks are seemingly just perpetually rebuilding, uh, but they he's, really are. He's pretty close, and there's not much standing in his way. Do you think he could be a guy that that uh, we're we're blowing some fab on in the middle of the season? I, I definitely think so, and as, as more people kind of uh, you know see what what he's been doing in the minors already and uh, if he has a quality triple a he could be somebody that is quickly uh, attracting attention and then when he comes up people are putting at least triple digits on him because that's the kind of upside that he has with the swing and miss and that was what really drew me to him and that was such a nice follow-up that you said that you know we didn't even have this like huge disagreement but you're like hey man i remembered this player i just wanted you to know that uh, i i've moved down the spectrum a little bit you know i, I love conversations like that too of like challenge challenging each other on rankings and seeing where you're at and, and kind of testing, you know, your, your conviction. Uh, like I said, with the Ashby thing, I thought here I was, I love this guy and turns out the market is even higher than me. So always kind of testing things and seeing where you're at. That's why these, that's why rankings are so fluid. It's not that uh, we lack conviction and, and waffle all the time. It's that you're taking in new information. Yeah. You're understanding the player pool deeper and you start to maneuver things around. And there's also the fact that the numbers, uh, next to the rankings are kind of immaterial once you get past 
I don't know what the top 30. And then it just starts to be these clusters of sameness. And then you're picking your guys that, that you think could break out or jump an extra level. Um, so yeah, I, I saw Jameson and that swing and miss was so disgusting. That's what kind of drove me. Uh, mm-hmm. There, there was upside there from what we had seen from him previously, very little, but then talking to Eric, especially he's like, I think this guy can be somebody with a big swing and miss. And I think at the very worst case, he could be an impact uh, reliever. And, and with fantasy, that matters too because uh, you saves play as well too. He's going to be a starter for now, but I'm just saying if for some reason it busted a bit as a starter in the major leagues, I think he could be a, a late-inning reliever. Yeah, and I would I would advise you know anyone who's – and this isn't just prospects. I mean, this goes for a redraft as well. Uh, like – I, I think one of the worst things you can do in terms of player evaluation is be stubborn yes. on a guy where it's just like you didn't like them whenever, like two years ago, a year ago, whatever. Uh, you need to always be open to being like, I think I was wrong and like move quickly um, to when, when, when you get evidence that you were wrong, right? Like, you mm-hmm. know, you can, you can be stubborn on a guy if the, like, I've always been like lower on Ryan Pepio, but so far he has given me zero reason to change that because I just think he's going to end up being a reliever for the Dodgers. But like if he went out there uh, next year at AAA and all of a sudden was throwing way more strikes, then I would be like, all right, well, maybe I was maybe I was too low on him. Um, so I would just recommend everyone just kind of be I, open. I share that outlook, by the way, too. And been looking for something, too, you know, because Dodgers are another organization that you lean toward trusting but I agree with you. I, I see a bullpen future for Pepio. Um, I'll be I'll be open to a change, but uh, I, I think I think we won't see it. I think high impact reliever though, not necessarily closer, but just somebody. If you it, a lot of us play super deep leagues, where a guy who can throw two innings at a time and get a ton of strikeouts, like that, you know, Devin Williams type before he he, he closes, um, that can be a lot of fun. So I think that's what Pepio can could end up being as early as this year. Well, Paul, I've kept you for over an hour. Is there is there anyone else you want to hit on, or or uh, are we kind don't, of don't don't give up on Matt Manning? Well, unless you're in a draft with me, he's garbage. Don't draft him. Um, but well, actually, no. Let's talk about Matt Manning because I I uh, I've kind of given up on Matt Manning. Oh, you're out so, completely. So no, I'm not out. I'm not out like completely, completely. I just haven't seen the same picture that I saw in 2019 since that forearm scare at the alt site. For sure. And I think that's, that's completely fair. Uh, and he was not anywhere near that guy this year. Uh, but again, you still, you still watch and you can see some of the glimpses of it, even in some of his major league work, which on the surface was terrible. Um, I think it is about getting healthy. I, I don't think he's at a hundred percent, but at the same time, he's, you know, we say that and then people are like, well, why is he pitching if he's hurt? It's like, you're rarely at a hundred percent, but I'm saying he's probably operating at something, uh, you know, close to what his lowest is without actually being on the IL um, and kind of laboring through it, but they don't see risk of pitching him to, to injure him any further. So he's, they're, they're challenging him and he, he had a challenging year, but this is a true buy low, right? There are no flashing warning signs of like the, the obvious signs of what we normally tab as by lows because their uh, swinging strike rate is 14% or, you know, their BABIP was 420, whatever. Mm-hmm. Those are easy by lows because they're not even that, that low. Everyone's in on that. This is a true by low. It's ugly. There is nothing in the numbers that I can pull you in with. 
But if you believed in him beforehand and uh, you aren't necessarily thinking that it's a, a guarantee that he's going to go for TJ, um, then I think he's worth the risk because the price is nothing. Like you, you, it's, it's an immaterial draft pick cost. Like it doesn't hurt you if it totally blows up in your face based on what Matt Manning costs with the upside still being pretty high. I don't think he comes next year and he's like a, a four win guy in 150 innings automatically, but I do still think there's upside there. And I know I said, I, I did a war comparison. Like I don't think he's a, you know, a, a 380 ERA for 150 innings next year, but there is at least upside in that pick 429. What, why wouldn't you take it? Like, I, I prefer him to Adrian Hauser 100 out of 100 times at that same pick. And nothing against Hauser. So is Manning maybe, we were talking about just final picks of a of a 15-team league draft. Is that the type of guy? Where yeah, he's right there with like, Cabrera. Yeah, you just sort of see what he looks like in spring training. Mm-hmm. If, he, if he's... Uh, striking out four per nine again. Um, maybe you move <laughs> on. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think you should take his spring training stats relatively seriously um, because I, I think it will be indicative. He didn't necessarily carve up the AAA level. So even if you you put the uh, the minor league or the spring training at like a AAA level or a Double A plus, whatever you want to say, um, if he is still getting a, a paltry strikeout rate, not really dominating hitters, especially the mediocre ones. I think you can take from that. Like we always talk about how spring training is useless. I think people are propagating that. And the people who say it the loudest are the ones that are actually paying attention and drawing what you can, from. but they don't want anybody else to do it. So they're like, ignore this. Uh, there's nothing going on over here. And then they're like, there actually are some things that we can take. It's just not the surface stats that you can take. You do have to kind of sit down and watch too, but MLB network shows a ton of games. You can just record them all and then go through to find the parts of the players that you care about after you see the box score. And I say that from experience because that's what I do. I just record them all on, on YouTube TV. Then I can go back and say, I want to watch this guy's outing there um, and, and see if I saw something from him. Sorry, that was a huge tangent, but I still like Matt Manning is the bottom line. Yeah. I mean, for me, spring training, I, I think um, you don't, you don't want to like just live on Twitter and just be in that echo chamber of people of all the like overreactions. This, oh my gosh, side. this guy's gonna break out. This guy looks yep. like like a like a stud. Um, this guy struck out on a on a curveball. He missed it so bad. I I don't. I think he's gonna hit two ten this year. Yeah, like you, chill you out. You don't want to like if you're on the clock and you're debating taking like Freddie Freeman and you go look at what he's hitting in spring training and he's hitting a buck twenty don't take the next guy on your board. It's a bad process. Right. Like, like, um, but, but if you see, uh, you know, let's say, um, let's say Hunter green has 20 strikeouts and two walks in Mm -hmm. his first 12 innings of spring training. That matters. That is a reason to take him at the price that he's going to be. That's, that's where you are actually looking in his price range of like 350 and later, you can start to look at that and be like, this is impactful and, and strikeout strikeouts and walks are always the go-tos. And in spring training, they've been shown to matter the strikeout and walk rates for hitters and pitchers. So if you're seeing big changes there one way or the other, you can put some weight into that and have it move the needle for you. Um, so yeah, I definitely pay attention to, to those sorts of things. All right, Paul, well, why don't you let everyone know uh, all the stuff you've been working on over at Rotographs and where they can find all your work? So uh, it's fangraphs.com slash, or wait, 
fantasy.fangraphs.com. You can, I think you can also still go fangraphs.com slash fantasy. That's the old one. Uh, but yeah, Rotographs over there. I'm doing my roster reviews, going by each team, looking at some of the just the the key stats that they had last year, but then also identifying some players for the upcoming year, a Best Buy, on the rise, off the radar, and then the hot take. Uh, you know, just trying to get out there with some stuff. It's not that I don't believe them, by the way. I'm not just throwing stuff out there to see if it sticks. These are things that I tangibly believe could happen. So check out the roster reviews over there on Twitter at Spore. Also on Twitch, five, six nights a week playing uh, sports video games all the time. MLB The Show is a staple, uh, but I've playing, been playing some Madden, some NBA 2K. Uh, so yeah, doing all sorts of stuff there. Come through. If you love baseball and want to follow it all winter, come through on the Twitch. We're talking baseball pretty much every night, but also other sports. You want to talk some football? You want to talk some basketball? Come on through twitch.tv slash Sporer. All right. Well, I am James Anderson. That is Paul Sporer. You should definitely check out everything he's doing. We are brought to you by WinBet. Thanks so much for joining me, Paul. And uh, best Thank of you. luck with your drafts. Thanks. <laughs>